0: guys welcome back to the nevermind poly podcast it is the best day of the week it is finally tuesday um i've got another brand new interview with another brand new brilliant band well they might be a new band but they're a brilliant band all the same i am joined by Cascafeeder. how are you guys all good mate all good
1: yeah we're doing all right
0: awesome stuff we had a little bit of techie issues to begin with but we got there it's fine um do you guys want to introduce yourselves and what role you do in the band yeah sure do you want to go graham
1: Yeah, I'm Graham and I play drums. Uh, Yeah, I'm Aaron and I play
0: guitar for the band. Fantastic stuff, fantastic stuff. It's great to have you gents on, so thank you so much for your time. Um, We start this off in the same way. Um, Obviously, it's a bit of a depressing question, so we try and keep it. uh, It gets better from here, I promise. How's the last 18 months, two years been for you guys with COVID and everything going on as a band and sort of personally as well? Mental. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I like Uh, that.
1: (laughs) Highest to highs and lowest to lows. Yeah. Personally uh, speaking, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, between all of the bands since the pandemic has started, everyone has moved house at least once or is in the process of moving house. Yeah. Um there are children on the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um I mean obviously on the side of like the band itself it's been awful mm. not being able to play yeah, having yeah. recordings that we want to get out and everything like that yeah. um, and kind of putting the release schedule back and, delaying and then back it.
1: again and then yeah. back
2: again Yeah, <laughs> and there's been a fair sorts. few delays <laughs> with the record um, so band wise that wasn't great but personally we've had so much other stuff going on individually yeah, um sure. that it yeah, I mean it's been absolutely crazy. Um it's not like we've been sitting on our asses
0: no, of in our personal
2: lives, even if the band hasn't been doing
0: anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah definitely it's uh, it's been a bit of a crazy one but luckily touching all the wood in the room it's uh it's on the way out and it's getting better hopefully uh with everything opening up and things um i want to go back to the start what was kind of like your musical upbringing so were your parents into music your older brother and sister things like that how did you sort of get into into music and then obviously into into metal uh
1: mine was My parents aren't really musical at all. My mum played like violin when she was a kid. Oh, (laughs) nice! I mean, apart I used to just listen to whatever music my mum used to listen to. Mm. So whatever pop music was on at the time. Nice. And then I can't remember from there. It kind of I think it was a cousin of mine. He had a magazine. He was a couple of years, about eighteen months older than me. And then when I was about ten, nine or ten, I started getting. You thought the new metal thing was coming into the sort of charts. Yeah so i think it was like limp biscuit and linkin park and like the red hot chili peppers were all over the charts so i started liking that and then the 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 dark days happened when i saw a picture of slipknot when i was about <laughs> 9 or 10 years old and then i just went down the wormhole from there really fantastic um
2: for me it's a weird one uh, my parents aren't musical and um, but they had a selection of cds and it always seemed like i gravitated towards the guitar based music mm-hmm. um so like my some of my earliest memories and i know that i was f- before 5 years old yeah. was wa- like watching a vh1 special of zz top so many times that the tape warped
0: oh nice no, cool
2: um but i know that after that there was a genesis special and i never watched it so there was definitely <laughs> there was yeah. definitely a slant towards blues rock over prog at that point in time um then growing up kind of getting into deep purple kind of a lot of people that i went to school with were kind of into scar and stuff so like listening to things like madness and um there was kind of like a scar revival in the early 2000s so for us it was like cap down was one of the big bands local to us
0: Yeah, yeah okay cool
2: um so lots of shows like that um funny enough slipknot was I was listening to stuff like Kitty and Corn and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah,
1: I and then that. I
2: got bought the, the Slipknot biography and I read the Slipknot biography and that mm-hmm. got me interested in the band yeah. that way because I wasn't that interested in them. And then vi- weirdly via classical music because I liked film soundtracks and things like okay, that.
0: Okay, cool.
2: I went into like black metal <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, nice. so I went.
2: I went straight into listening to stuff like D- uh, Dimmy Ball Gear and Cradle, <laughs> and then from there, via punk, into yeah. like Dark Throne and Mayhem and and things like that. And then it wasn't until my early twenties that I started listening to hardcore. Yeah, um, I think I was kind of like the latest one of the bands. Age wise, that started listening to hardcore and things like that, Mm. but um, yeah, kind of expanded from there. I studied music, so I kind of got exposed to a lot of things, yeah, so like electronic and soul and funk and all that stuff.
1: I remember just following the hip hop when I was younger, it was all about Dr. Dre and Eminem, and then I remember being seeing Slipknot, they were already my favorite band when I saw a picture of them and I hadn't even heard any of their music, yeah, I was just totally obsessed as soon as I saw that. I think it's that playground picture where they're all in the red boiler suits yes. like, Yeah. yeah as yeah. soon as I saw that in a magazine, I think my cousin had the magazine, like I say, it just I was totally obsessed from there. And I went out and bought Iowa on the day of its release.
0: Yeah.
1: And like I was thinking I was ten. So yeah, two thousand one <laughs> I'd have been ten years old. And then I just sort of carried on like a mixture of hip hop, what was popular at the time, and then just sort of on the quiet, because only a couple of my friends liked the sort of Marilyn Manson and Korn. It was that like three or four of us, we kept it on the quiet from everyone else. Yeah. And we were like discovering like a lot of the heavier music. And then when my teenage years, started going to gigs and it just went, I just wanted to find the heaviest music I could.
0: Yeah, awesome stuff. That's really cool. I say It's, it's always good to ask that question, because obviously a lot of people have different intros into what you guys play now and things. So that's really cool. And um, what made you want to pick up your respective instruments? And is Caskavida um, your your sort of first outing, or is this a, a band of um, many bands before you for this one?
1: Uh, I mean, drum wise, for me, it was the minute I saw the Disaster Pieces drum solo.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was that minute I knew I wanted to play straight away, and even now I still watch that solo. Yeah. All the time. And I still watch the Disaster piece, his live set all the time.
0: Iconic it was just sure.
1: such an inspiring moment for me. And then from there, discovering Pantera and Slayer, they were like the, the two other bands that just made me want to play drums. Yeah, really. That's
2: fair. that's fair. So for me, I my parents had an acoustic guitar and a bass so the acoustic guitar was some late 70s junkie kind of import um guitar that my dad had bought as a kid to learn and never did and the bass was made by my grandfather okay, um wasn't it wasn't completely finished but I didn't know at the time like the frets weren't finished and everything like that and I didn't want to play acoustic guitar I was listening to kind of like punky stuff at the time and some friends wanted to do a band so I picked up the bass and started playing playing the bass to start with. Um, and after a few years of that, I bought a bass and realised, oh, it doesn't actually cut your hands when you play, because I thought I was doing it wrong, because yeah. I, I didn't have lessons or anything. Um, and then trying to write my own stuff wasn't good enough on bass to kind of go forward with writing just on bass. So I s- borrowed someone's Warlock, I think, um, when I was like 15, 16, and started kind of jamming out on that. Um, and then progressed from there. Um, in regards to bands, we've been in several bands before this. Um, the most notable one for me is I used to play bass in a band called bass with torture killings for a few years. Um,
0: that is a great name by the way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So with them, uh, did a fair few tours, like UK and Ireland, Europe, um, played at scene extreme festival, um, And things like that. Um, Yeah, those are the two main ones for me. The the ones before that were kind of just like local bands that never really broke out the local area. Um, When in my early 20s, I was living in London and I wasn't doing any bands because I was working in bars. So I was doing 50 hour weeks. Mm Yeah, definitely. Um, So there was like a whole, probably in my opportune age range where I wasn't playing at all.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, I was only in one other band before this, technically under two names, but um, that was more like just sort of started out as a hardcore band and then sort yeah. of turned into the sort of like trap them crusty sort of sounds. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. And then that sort of fizzled out. And then I still jammed with them, a couple of the guys. But yeah, that sort of fizzled out. But I did quite a few years with them. Uh, I was always that kid wanting to play drums in a band. Everyone who I knew that played instruments when I was a teenager just didn't have the the drive really to carry on and I was the only one sort of stuck there <laughs> trying to be in the band for ages and then eventually when I was in my I think I was at like 19 finally got in that like I say that hardcore band and started getting out and playing shows which is rare for a drummer because
2: mm. it's like hen's teeth
1: yeah but yeah it didn't happen to me in my teen I never played a show in my teenage years it happened when I got into like like I, say, I was 19 or 20 I think it was so
0: nice cool 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 um so if you can in your own words how did casket feeder become the band it is today how did you guys form
2: it's bloody temples festival wasn't it
1: i think it was because we're all in different bands matt the vocalist and connor the other guitarist were in a band together and they were sort of splitting up and me and Connor, we all know each other from the local scene anyway. So mm-hmm. we've been uh, known each other for years and years before Casket Feeder was even a thing. We all used to play with each other's bands and see each other at gigs anyway.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, me and Connor had spoken. Both of our bands had come to an end. I and mean, Connor had just been chatting on Messenger about like, all, well, you know, do you want to get together and jam a little bit? And I didn't realise, at the same time, Connor and Aaron had had the exact same conversation. Yeah, so I didn't realise. I walked in the practice room one day, and I bumped, I was like, oh, Aaron's here. And then it <laughs> kind, of just, kind of just happened from there. And then the three of me, Connor and Aaron, sat down and wrote the first, first couple of songs, was Connor it? Connor had
2: a couple of demos, and we kind of jammed yeah, them out and then did some it. stuff. Yeah, so it was... We, at Temples 2015 on the Friday was all, like, that HM2, it was, like, Trap Them, Harm's Way, Nails, Converge. I think there was a few others as well, like, earlier on in the day. I think Venom Prison played that day as well. It was, like, their first gig.
0: Oh, fantastic. Cool.
2: Um, And I think we had all spoken to each other in various stages of inebriation, going, oh, wouldn't it be great to do one of those crusty, ignorant HM2 bands? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... At the end of 2015, my band that I had with Lewis, the bassist, which was kind of like an every time I die-ish kind of melodic, hardcore-y, bluesy band, had split. Um, And I was like, oh, I want to do something heavy again because I come from more of a death metal, black metal background. Mm -hmm. So I messaged Connor and was like, do you want to do that band? And yeah, Connor replied, was like, funnily enough, me and Graham have been jamming, here's some demos, what do you think? And I was like, yep, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and off, off the back of those demos, barring one track, was the first EP, basically.
0: Oh, fantastic um, stuff.
2: So from there, the three of us were jamming. Um, I messaged a couple people about vocals and bass. But it ended up being that I essentially walked up to Matt in the pub and was like, I know you're really busy, but do you want to do vocals for a band? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's... He, Always, always in different projects because mm. he's a, a multi-instrumentalist he can play guitar bass drums oh, and wow. do vocals so and he like records his own stuff oh, um it. so he was like yeah I'll give it a shot and then he was in the band uh I don't know if Lewis was the last person or Matt was the last person but
1: I can't remember because
2: Le- Lewis played guitar in the last in the melodic hardcore band and I at one point played guitar and then um bass
0: yeah
2: um for them So I said to him, It's heavier, but do you want to play bass for it? And from that point I think he's kind of he's in the went in through the process of falling down the rabbit hole of starting to listen to like really heavy stuff. Yeah. (laughs) He's a few years
1: younger than us. So when we started, he was probably twenty two. Twenty
2: two or twenty three, yeah. So he when we were in that band he was listening to stuff like Gallows Every Time I Die Beartooth and stuff like that. And now he gets a slope. (laughs) Black <laughs> Breath and in Intune. <laughs> <tombs.
0: laughs> you, you say you, um they fell down a hole. I, I like to think of more heavy extreme as though someone letting you in the back door. Like you're just looting around, just minding your own business. Someone calls you by the ear and like, "Oi, come here!" you know like, "Oh, what's this?" Yeah. And suddenly you're in the world of extremity. So it's yeah, really cool. Yeah.
1: Dragged through this dark alley into this wall of noise, <laughs> literally. <Yeah.
0: laughs> right. Okay. So this is the part where I, I've done my research. And I hope. Correct me if I've got any of this wrong. So. I've done a little bit of research, so um, you guys have got two EPs out to date. Um, How is the uh, writing process? Is it a collaborative thing? Do you all get in a room together, or do you sort of do your individual parts and then bring it together? How does it kind of work for you guys? A bit of a
1: mixture of both, but all the songs get finalised in the practice room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I think the first batch, like Aaron said, the first EP, me, Connor, and Aaron did uh, in his room – when we demoed them on the computer then we always take them into the practice room and finalise everything so sometimes when it sounds good on a demo when you start playing it live it just doesn't, Mm -hmm. sometimes bits don't fit so some guys bring in certain songs that are fully completed and then and sometimes we jam make up songs there and then on the spot I think Supremacy was one that me and Aaron did on the fly in the practice room we just sort of come up with it so Every, it's funny because we've in case of two practices. I think we've done it something like yeah, that from uh, beginning yeah. to end.
2: So it's, it's funny like, cause sometimes we'll have a whole demo that's done and it gets sent out. It's like, guys, would we'll just think, and then yeah. we'll take it into the practice room or what happened this week, which is interesting is that I, we literally went in and we were like, uh, a couple of the guys were ill and was like, Oh, we'll still go to the practice room and like, we'll see about like jamming and writing something. Cause we haven't done it for a while. Yeah. And I, we kind of played a few riffs, and I had one riff, and essentially from that point, we wrote the rest of the track around it.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, so, yeah. And
2: then it was like a shell. We'll like muck around with it, and then kind of put it to tape, as it were, and then see what it sounds mm-hmm. like. But yeah, even when demos are done and sent, they'll be—it's like mainly arrangement-wise mm-hmm. that they'll be messed with. So if Matt wants more vocals or he thinks that a verse section is too many repetitions or swapping stuff around so that it flows better, be it guitar or drums, Mm. because we've had it before sometimes where a riff ends and it's like a high note on a riff. And then all of a sudden it goes down. It's like, well, that's going to sound messy live. Um, So yeah, that's, it's honed in the practice room, but the way that we write it, depending on who it is, is that's why we, I mean, how many of us, have home studios all four of us barring you i think
1: i'm the only one that doesn't yeah, yeah so, so
2: it's um a case of we, we've all got the facilities to put riffs down
1: yeah, and yeah. send them to yeah, the other guys so that like with the album as well a lot of that was demoed around people's houses but the amount of times the demos i found them actually on the file a couple of weeks ago and some of the demos don't sound anything like the finished product now it's yeah so like we say everything's done and finalized in the practice room before anything yeah
0: i always find it really interesting when you get sort of um uh, i'm trying to think of a band who've done it before but like you get someone like a tool or a slipknot or ramson these massive bands and they put out the, obviously the song as it is but then six months down the line they'll put out like a demo version of it and you listen to the two tracks side by side and you think well, that's nothing like the like the song that you know as it is, so it's cool to see that obviously you just have to jiggle things about and things to make to make it work essentially um obviously you guys released a single uh, Wormwood earlier in the year is that part of the record you're talking about that you've recording or is that a standalone single or
2: so it was part of the album recording sessions but it mm-hmm. won't be on the album.
0: Right. Okay. Cool. I, I was just going to say. So, um, talking about the album coming up, how far along are you sort of done on that, or do you have a release date and things like that you can talk about? Or
2: it's been delayed again.
0: Has <laughs> it, <are, laughs> it? It was meant to be out in November, right? But just
1: um, logistics and personal lives going on, it just hasn't had a chance to really get stuff moving. So now, I don't know how much we can say. We're about to try and film a video, a video. for it for what uh, were the single, hopefully in the next month. So yeah. all things going to plan. I don't want to say too much, but hopefully no, March. Hopefully
2: March. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the, aiming
1: for March next
2: year. The pencil date is March. When when we played Bloodstock, we were saying in the interviews that it was November, but stuff's just happened since then, so it's, <laughs> it's March
0: now. Well, all all I can say is good things come to those that wait, which we know, which we know, um, which will be no solace for you guys. But obviously, as us guys as fans, you just have to wait for these things. But yeah, Yeah, it's just
1: (laughs) impatient. When did we record it?
0: Easter 2019.
1: Easter Easter 2019. We recorded it. So yeah, these songs have been floating around for a while. (laughs) It's not too
2: bad though. Like I mean, it gives us time. Now we're starting to work on. The the follow up essentially so we've got four demo like we were saying we've got four yeah. demos plus one that we've worked on in the practice room first and there's like bits of riffs that are here and there floating around skeletons and all that stuff so it works in good stead for us to have a, a decent follow up.
0: I mean, I mean some some of the biggest bands have waited a long time for their albums, so uh, Guns and Roses, Tool. <laughs> we just add Casker fade to the mix. That's so all. Yeah, add, add you guys I to hope It's list. not that long. Yeah, I almighty. hope it's not Chinese democracy. <laughs>
2: yeah. oh yeah, twelve years later. Good God. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um. So I was listening to you guys uh, earlier today. A lot of influences, obviously, Death Metal. But again, that crunchy groove in there. How important is it to you guys to obviously keep things in the extreme end, but also make things palatable and catchy for the average metal, fan? I see, average metal fan. You know the kind of person I mean. <laughs> I, I think it's honest. very important.
1: Yeah, it's important, but I don't think it's something we sit down and really aim towards to try no. and make it mm. as palatable. It just sort of, I think it's just the wide range of influences from each individual member. Yeah, it just comes across that way. Naturally, we
2: when we started out because of how uncompromising the sound was um, in regards to the HM2, which as we've gone on, we started to use blends so that it's not 100% HM2 so that when we par mute, it's a little bit tighter. So without it kind of doing that kind of in wub thing, (laughs) um, the it kind of shepherded us in a way to write
0: mm-hmm.
2: um which was kind of more in the celtic frost obituary direction just because if you start going a bit mad with what you're playing yeah it becomes a mess
0: mm-hmm. yeah no, absolutely.
2: um so it was one of those cases where on the album we started writing stuff that was a little bit more i don't want to say technical because we don't consider ourselves a technical band yeah, but sure. Bits that were a little bit more fiddly sonically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. which was why the, the blending started to happen. Um, but I think it's one of those things where everyone, barring Graham, can, can play bass and has played bass in bands,
0: right? For sure. And I
2: feel like that that is ingrained in us that we need to be in the pocket
1: a lot, yeah. Um, and I think the style of hardcore that, especially myself and like Connor were listening to, it's not like just the beatdown hardcore. No. Because I, for myself, it was like a lot of like the London hardcore bands, mm-hmm. like Knuckle Dust and like Cartel and Injury Time. And a lot of that's a lot of more punky and groove based. So I think a lot of that's going to, just comes naturally the groove because the hardcore influence is just there, whether it's intentional or not. Yeah, I think that's sort a of hardcore groove would just always be in there somewhere. Whichever, whatever style we're going for.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of the things that kind of differentiates bands like Cannibal Corpse and a bit, an obituary, compared to Morbid Angel and Dareside, for example. Mm-hmm. Just like picking old school death metal bands.
0: Yeah.
2: Sir. Obituary and Cannibal Corpse, especially kind of more later on. Cannibal Corpse, they know how to kind of sit back on a beat, mm-hmm. and so that it kind of gives instead of it being ferocity all the time not saying that that's a bad thing because no. we definitely do it <laughs> but some like being able to sit back on a beat and allow like it to go through and to feel like the count essentially yeah. um which i think is in in my writing anyway is something that's quite important for me um because i'm not a, i'm not a very like technically proficient guitarist so i kind of sit on like i
1: think everyone just likes groove as well yeah. whatever genre you like is just something that everyone finds satisfying about when a band no matter how heavy just drop into a groove yeah it just gets people and i think that's just something that will It just everyone loves it so yeah i guess that's one of the things like archspire
2: like massively technical band but i rate them a lot more highly than a lot of other technical bands because the way that they write there's always i was listening to, to it today mm. there's always an instrument that's holding a constant yeah. So you can have two or three going mad but there's always one sitting to hold everything together. Yeah,
0: definitely.
2: Um and thinking of like the hip hop thing, Ollie's vocals are inspired by speed rapping, which is right. how he manages to yeah. do the really quick um vocal delivery. And that's he listens to rap more than death metal to work out how he's going to um form his um lyrical delivery.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um
2: and so I think that that Helps them in that way um, to go off tangent, of just a touch. No, absolutely, um, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's not something that we consciously think of, but we know as a ba- as a band, it's something that's good for us. essentially. Yeah,
0: that's the thing as well. If you have constant extremity all the time, it can you can become almost almost desensitized to it sometimes. So having that break and that space and that just changing of pace and things like that. Because ah oh, I'm okay oh fuck no I'm not no I'm not and I'm getting attacked you know sonically again so it's good to have that break and um break and groove as it were. Uh, you yeah. mentioned um, playing Bloodstock. How was that for you guys? You guys were on the new Blood stage. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so was- you guys went through the metal to the masses and things. How was that? And how was the show? Well, so- we
1: didn't. Ha- we done Metal to the Masses by accident in 2017. We didn't actually get oh. through to Bloodstock this year through Metal to the Masses. We were. We, I can't remember how it come about now.
2: So <laughs> our manager, um, who is a good good friend of ours, um, Sam Wallace, mm. fra- formerly from Ballonfire and currently plays in Dark and Um And I think God for them as well. I think he's doing guitar for them as well. Um, a busy he, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's itching to get on the stage. He hasn't been on stage since 2018, I think. Like, he's dying. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> um, he, he emailed Simon Hall. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, because of oh, the because of the pandemic, there were there were spaces. Um,
0: oh, yeah, of course,
2: yeah. So we he we got a he got us a slot on the the Thursday. Uh, yeah. Essentially, we did. Yeah, we we played the first year. We were a band. We played the Northamptonshire metal to the masses. Um, we got through to the final, but it was a wedding, so we couldn't actually play the day of the the. Oh, yeah. um, we couldn't play the day of the final. It
1: worked and out in our favour because we got to play with in- Ingested. In- Ingested the day before instead. Ah, well, there we go then. So, it, it was fun. Sorry. I'd rather play with Ingested than play a battle to the band, so... Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the
2: promoter was like, you would have won that. And it's like, yeah, but there's other things happening. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> um, so, what, is there any touring plans that you could talk about for, for the rest of the year into next year, or...? none
2: so far and that's not a that's not a we can't say anything (laughs) that's a we haven't got anything at the moment
1: yeah Yeah. Um, (laughs) i think it's just the main focus is just get the album done get it out and then hopefully from there the doors start to open up for bigger shows and tours
2: yeah so currently i'm trying to think of the gigs we've got coming up so november 12th we're supporting video nasties and aggressive perfecto in swansea Then Good. on the Saturday the thirteenth, I might be getting, of November, so the, the day after we play the Dev Death by Ritual Festival, okay. um, Wound Bath were headlining, but they've just pulled out. So we are the I
1: think we're the current headlin-
2: headliners. I Think oh, we're fun. the headliners now. Yeah,
1: so, so, so... <laughs> that should be fun. We're I'm looking forward to it.
2: We've currently penciled in a longer set, so we've put in two extra songs for the set. Um, oh, so we'll see. we'll see if that is that we do get a longer slot or if it's a standard half hour.
0: Yeah, um, sure.
2: And then April we play Tanking Festival, which is the furthest north that we'll go. And I can't remember off the top of my head where it is now.
1: No, I can't either. Oh, I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> I'm terrible for where we're playing and what day. I'm dreadful. Um, I'm not the one to ask for stuff like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, if it's more than a month in front, I'd... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think there's a couple others. Like we've had, we've had a few kind of bits of interest here and there, um, but it's not been a like a concrete offer um, no, for sure. anything. Yeah.
1: Um, I think a lot of people are still waiting to see how next year goes with regards to pandemic and absolutely. stuff like that. So you know, yes. fingers crossed. Hopefully, by the time the end of this year and early next year. Uh, more offers start coming in i hope so anyway <laughs> yeah we're,
2: we're looking now to kind of focus more on tour runs than the kind of sh- what we were doing previously which was you kind of one-off yeah shows um yeah so i mean it would be good to, we i've we organized the tour with teeth grinder was that 2018 yeah yeah and it would be good to get them back because they're a really really good band um but obviously it's international travel is a pain <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right definitely, now like, definitely definitely uh, but yeah we'll we'll wait and see what happens after um the press comes back for the record and everything like that and hopefully by that point we can start doing some tours we'll and yeah. speak to people like harriet i guess hopefully yeah that'd be we'll good. Speak, if we we know um deb from harriet okay um, for
0: sure
2: so it uh,
0: like oh i sorry i've just had I a break i know i don't know her buzz, but she's the one um female guitarist um it's quite big on uh twitter yeah yes i know the yeah, one yeah. I, I, I think i follow her on twitter yeah i've just cocked who you mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome i didn't stuff. I don't, I don't know she's on twitter i'm not yeah. on twitter so i don't yeah, know I, i'm i am not i am right, so, so out of the loop of <laughs> it yeah it's <laughs> either nice. twitter or instagram one of the two i've seen her on <laughs> but yeah no yeah, yeah. oh fa- fabulous um,
2: yeah. So yeah, I mean they're—that'd be
1: good fun to play some shows with them.
2: Yeah, they're shoehorned for a rocket to be strapped to them pretty soon, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah
1: definitely. So, especially after that
2: last hammer. single
1: and that ten-time hammer cover, yeah, that was so,
2: wicked. Um, yeah, so hopefully something something will come good next year, and then we can start doing more shows.
0: Awesome stuff. Okay so I've I've sort of if you haven't really guessed I've set this into like sort of three parts so this is like the fun questions and this one I will get I will get a band on here admitting that they sacrifice goats or something but what is your pre-gig ritual if you have any are you sacrificing goats gentlemen I wish. Oh, I, wish yeah. I, I wish I had the money to buy goats. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to be the ones that tell me you sacrifice goats. Damn. <laughs> especially with the
2: especially with the alphabet behind us. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I couldn't
0: do that. I couldn't
1: do that to a goat.
2: I just couldn't do it. Maybe we'll but, go to a petting zoo beforehand. Go pet some goats instead. That, yeah, that's great. If that I'll
1: isn't
0: if that isn't born. your next i was gonna say if that isn't your next album art promo just you are <laughs> holding goats i don't know what is
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah as regards to like pre-gig rituals i think there's the gone gone of the days when you're just standing at the bar and then Graham, we're only in 15 minutes oh shit okay <laughs> then days are done yeah, yeah so there's a lot more, more focused on like actually trying to warm up a little bit because mm-hmm. i'm Trying to play drums when you've just sat there, sat still for two hours while all the other bands play, and then trying to get up and play is just no, yeah. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so, mine if... is just a little get the sticks out, sit down, and warm up for normally while the band before us is playing. If there is one, yeah, that's my little r- ritual.
2: Yeah, if there's a green room, I'll normally sit in the green room and kind of practice guitar a bit. Um, I can't. <laughs> Frustratingly, I can't play guitar too much because I've got a condition in my thumbs, which means that if I play too much, they start to swell up.
0: I love um,
2: so I play to get warm mm. and then I make sure that I don't overdo it. Normally, equipment wise, we make sure that like we've got all of our equipment ready and like kind of double check everything um, over. Matt has a set of warm up exercises that take about 15, 20 minutes that he'll do a little while beforehand. Yeah. Um, so, that's really it. Like, normally, when we're playing one-off shows and stuff, a lot of us are, dri- are driving, so yeah. it's not like we can't drink a load or, or anything yeah. like that. So, um we've learned our lesson
1: lesson from drinking too much before shows anyway learned the hard way yeah so
0: there there was there was me hoping you're saying you were you were putting i don't know injecting vodka into your eyes and things oh damn i thought you guys were (laughs) rock and roll (laughs) no i'm definitely not
2: (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean i'm over i'm over 30 now and i get two day
1: hangovers so it's just like i can't do it no it's (laughs) gone in the days of they were fun when you were younger, and you you were invincible to drink, so you could just get have a few beers and then start playing. But I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll have I'll start drinking after we play if I do drink.
2: Old and jaded. I mean, Bloodstock was pretty mental, but <laughs> we played on the Thursday, which gave us three days to drink. So yeah,
1: it's... yeah. I, I think Thursday night was the drunkest. I was all festival, just coming off the higher plane. I think I just got absolutely. Fucking battered.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so obviously, you guys have been to to a lot of shows, been to lots of festivals and things. What is the craziest thing you've seen, either as a fan in the crowd or on a stage?
2: We've had the PA knocked over twice playing.
0: Nice. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was good. Um, and then that, when I say twice, that's not twice at one show. That's two different shows at two different venues. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, Apparently someone was topless
1: when we were playing Bloodstock. There was um uh, as a woman there who just was I think I saw her in the video just wore nothing apart from like a little sarong around her waist.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that, I didn't know that going until someone sh- um someone said it. Someone told me someone was filming our set and you could actually just see her in the set running around as like, okay. Yeah. That's pretty... <laughs> okay. Um, good for her.
2: I my first proper gig outside of a local gig was Ramstein at their last like mm. um club show
0: yeah, at Brixton sure. Academy. Oh, amazing.
2: Um, so that was pretty mad considering how big they are now when they're playing yeah. stadiums.
1: Um To be fair that Ramst I went to the Ramstein's show in that Milton Keynes a couple of years ago and that yeah. was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. But also uh I saw Ryan Maiden in Brixton Academy in two thousand and seven. Nice. And it was fucking incredible. Just watching a full Iron Maiden stage show in Brixton was just unreal. Did you go to Guar at the pits? I did go and see Guar and Milton Keynes. Have... That actually that's going to be up there, one of my top five ever. Our lo- old local venue, they had Guar come in and play. Amazing. I all, and we were all a bunch of teenagers, and it was just absolutely crazy.
0: It's just it quite... so much fun. It's quite cool you mentioned Guar, so shout out to my friend Harry, who went to Bloodstock for the first time this year, and uh, when Guar was announced that they were playing next year, we just it became a chant, just shouting Guar at the top of our lungs, because we're <laughs> stupid and drinking, but God, yeah, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love to see Guar
1: again, actually.
0: What was the
2: pits,
1: 400 cap? If that, I think wow. it was nice. 350. It
2: was- Imagine like, like a secondary school hall, yeah. It was kind of like that, but with the biggest PA system. <laughs> yeah, it was well, half of that PA system is what the Crawford Arms has as their PA right. system. It's yeah. absolutely mental, it was way too big for the size of it. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, Casey Chaos, when I saw Amen back in '04, nice. I don't know what he was on, I was a kid. But he literally walked out on the stage and destroyed the drum kit, like literally straight away, just like like straight through the whole lot of it, um, which was interesting
1: because that was the first
2: thing he did when he walked
1: on. Nice. I'm trying to think of some other mad shows. There's been quite a few ones that we've played. I mean, Bloodstock was one that I didn't expect the reaction we got of Bloodstock in terms no. of crazy reception. Every song we played, there was some form of Circle Pit or Pit kicking off and Wall of Death. It was great yeah, so we, yeah. A... The,
2: the wall of death without us asking for one which was bizarre to me
0: nice <laughs> yeah I Love mean B-
2: BTK in Europe always went down pretty mm. well yeah I mean I I played so when I played Obscene Extreme I played at half two in the morning we were the last band on and there was still like two three thousand people there Amazing. and this was uh, like after Napalm Death basically like, like a few bands after <laughs> yeah um European shows, turning up to a venue at eleven o'clock at night and it not even being open to let the bands in yet oh,
0: on wow. a Thursday.
1: Yeah,
2: in Portugal. Um, crazy audience stuff, though. I'm not
1: trying think to think. Of it's just been the standard. Someone gets knocked out at a show. I've not seen... for our shows, thankfully. But the I've, I've been to Bri- shows. The Trivium
2: the... Brixton show that you guys went to when Power Trip were playing.
0: That was a fucking superb show. It was. I was that one. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that was a mad one. When we saw um, Malevolence and Desolated at the Joiners, oh, that hell. was fucking crazy. That was so aggy. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that
0: was like, borderline out of control, that show. So, I, at- I, I saw I- Desolated, God, it must have been 2010, 11, something like that, around that time. And they played, so I'm from East Anglia, so I don't know if you guys know, um, Lerstoff, literally the most easterly point in the U.K., Anyway, there was a tiny little pub and it was basically a shoebox in literal size. So if you imagine really, really thin walls, but just a long room. Um, it was desolated, martyr defiled, and annotations for an autopsy. And the guy from desolated demanded that it was like, it was fucking, he was going to crowd surf. And everyone was like, there's no way, like there's just, it's too small to crowd surf. It's not going to happen. Anyway, jumped off the stage, literally smashed his head on the light no one caught him They hit the deck really fucking hard like blood pissed out of his head and we were like dude do you do like, need to go to like hospital and he's like no nah, fuck that just carried on <laughs> like blood just pissed out of his head it's right. fucking insane that in uh, yes, uh... so would have been Paul still uh yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> absolute
0: Amazing. really nice guy but absolute nutter <laughs>
2: <laughs> that just made me think i saw the fateful periphery tour where everyone had a really bad stomach infection they were all throwing up and oh god (laughs) tesseract was supporting and dan tompkins got on the lighting rig for the last song and the security came up thinking he was a punter and yanked him off the thing and threw him out
0: (laughs) so i had to
2: do the rest of the the set instrumentally
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) love that um so, if you guys could pick one artist or one band to collaborate with, what would it? Who would it be? And so, bearing in mind, it doesn't have to be uh, as Casket feeder. As in, like you don't have to be in a metal band, for example. So you just playing drums and guitar, but in any band you collab with.
2: Oh, I've nearly auditioned for Satyricon and um, Annihilator. <laughs> nice. But my nice. own my own uh, d- inner demons uh, stopped me from sitting send on the, the audition tapes. You should um, have done
0: it. That'd been awesome. There so...
2: been,
1: there's a few ones that, like, technically, I mean, I'd love to fill in for, like, Cannibal Corpse or something like that. It was so fun. But also, just for fun, I'd love to play for Rob Zombie.
0: Oh, God, yeah, that'd be good. Just, Mer- yeah. Murder Dolls it. or Rob Zombie.
1: Yeah.
2: Probably that... Murder Dolls on guitar because fuck trying to. Coffee John Five's <laughs> guitar playing
1: but um yeah I think Rob Rob Zombie is the one for me we, we were chatting about it a while ago because some bands just want to play fill in for them and just have fun
0: mm, and yeah. I
1: think playing Rob Zombie songs they're not technically they're not really technical they're just straight ahead and he looks like he's having banger. the
0: best time every night exactly so what's not to love <laughs> I know he's been
1: cancelled now but it would I personally would have loved to have played for Marilyn Manson's band mm. so I'm grew up liking man so i know it's a yeah. bit of a
0: dodgy phrase to say that cause no it's, it's, one of those, Roman, but... it's one of those things it's it's that age-old question can you separate the art from the artist yeah you know? i mean i and still it...
1: enjoy the music but exactly I, i'd love yeah. to have played back in the day i'd love to have played um if we're talking any era i'd love to have played drums for him on the sort of antichrist era mm. That would have been just amazing.
2: I think Connor constantly. Connor's one was Ramstein, if I remember correctly.
1: So, yes. Yeah, because it just,
2: it's because the guitar's not challenging and because mm. of the stage show, it's yeah. it's a gig basically. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: great fun. <laughs> Get paid That's... absolute bank and it be cushy. Love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Um, if you so basically, I asked this question. So I'm going to start to wrap things up. One of my last questions I ask everybody is if you could recommend any band to our listeners, who would it be? So it can be an old band, new band, and sort of who are you listening to at the minute on Spotify.
2: So we've already bigged up Harriet, but uh Pupil Slicer. um, Amazing band,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: We they played with us on one of their first shows. Um and seeing them progress to where they are now is amazing. Um
1: gonna give a shout out to Milton Keynes band is it Abraxian Abraxian yeah they um I was in my my old band was with, with their guitar player and um he's a friend of mine anyway so yeah I'll give a shout out to them more like Sludgy Doom mm-hmm. I think they're really cool um, they were they, really they,
2: good when they supported
1: us at yeah they, they're, our first show back after Covid just before Bloodstock they opened that show up and they were fucking wicked yeah
2: so yeah I'll give them a shout out I know we know them but we I like I was surprised by like how solid the the songwriting and the musicianship was so yeah um, Geist Geist yeah From um, Durham.
1: always shout out them
2: the I'm trying to think of what I said basically Inhuman nature yeah video
1: nasties
2: yeah they like <laughs> I saw video nasties supporting pissed when we did the pissed album launch show just before the pandemic nice. I,
0: ha- I had pissed on the podcast about two or three weeks ago so yeah Lovely yes. yeah yeah
2: um and then i dragged these i dragged um graham and connor to see them at bloodstock instead yeah. of conjurer another band to shout out conjurer like yeah spoken to brady a few times
1: um our second ever show was supporting them in venom prison wouldn't it yeah, shit. That,
0: that's that's a good gig. <laughs>
1: Trial by fire, that was. And our third show was supporting Heart of a Coward
2: at our hometown headline. Oh,
0: amazing, nice.
2: Um,
1: so oh,
0: I'm like... going
1: to forget bands and people going to like. Be like oh. <laughs> Inhuman Nature, Geist, Pupil Slicer, Abraxin, Road
2: Mutant,
1: <laughs> Road Mutant.
2: Um, if you like crossover thrash hardcore, Road Mutants right up your alley. They sound a bit like Drain. Yeah. Um, and kind of like power trippy and things like that. Um, releases that I'm looking forward to new Cradle of Filth mm. album. The singles have been a bit hit and miss, but the new lineup's usually pretty solid. So I'm hoping that it comes out well and it's not another sonography.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, shout out that. Uh, I've been rinsing that new Dying Wish album. Yeah. Incredible. That is proper like early 2000s metalcore, is just right on my street.
2: Yeah. Um new release. Uh there's a band called Plebeian Grandstand.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Proper claustrophobic sounding, nasty, noisy, I don't even yeah. know, it's like black and hardcore, I guess.
1: Yeah. That uh, new Not blue C P is really that good. That's really,
2: really good. Yeah. I was
1: surprised by how good that was actually.
2: Um electronically, there's a YouTube channel called Aim to Head that do right. mixes. They release like two, three mixes a week. Yeah. Um of kind of like dark electro. Okay, um, cool. I listen to that quite a lot.
1: There's a band from Milton Keynes, if you ever get a chance to see them, called Our Man in the Bronze Age. Right, They've just put out a new album. And um, it's not really heavy. I can't really describe it.
2: but um, Visually, they're really good as well because they've got two drummers. Yeah. Fab,
1: cool. So it's sort of like, um I'm, for a really general term, I'm going to call it like post-rock sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't, they're not like the sort of drawn out 15-minute songs you get with post-rock, they're much more like... They're much punchier songs get to the point, but um, sonically, they're a bit more like that. So our man in the Bronze Age, they've just put a new album out, and I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, Um, they're
2: wicked. Infected Dead, really good, kind of like technical-ish death metal band from the Kent area, I think. Um, Fetal Juice, who opened up um, the main stage for Bloodstock. Yeah, what um, love Beetlejuice. Well. <laughs> so, so good. first song <laughs> on the main stage of Bloodstock was Take Your Face for a Shit. Amazing. Um, they camped quite close to us um, for Bloodstock. Yeah. Um, I've toured with them a few times. Um, we've played a fair few shows with them in Casket Feeder, like lovely bunch of guys. Um, Skullfucked from Stevenage. Um, their drummer used to drum for negative thought process jordan he does a lot of stuff for the for the stevenish scene like putting on shows and stuff
1: um shout out milton key another milton keynes band like tusker yeah um two
2: piece two piece -piece doom sludge band they're wicked they should have some new stuff out soon. i think they were
1: recording um friends in leeched as well yeah whenever they decide to put out another batch of just Horrible noise. Yeah, I'm all for that.
2: We took them out for their first tour.
1: Oh, really um, nice. I had, that least, actually, really like it. Actually, when they had around.
2: 400 likes on Facebook,
1: and they, they, didn't, they didn't even have enough to fill a half an hour set. They had they to play 15 play, minutes. They had 15 minutes worth of songs when we played with them. Bloody hell Yeah, it was Love amazing. <laughs> and we drank so much that we made their drummer
2: T-total. <laughs>
0: you you should you should put that on a t-shirt i like that (laughs) (laughs) um Um, yeah
2: yeah. Uh, the only last two's scordatura and god eater both from glasgow both absolutely banging death metal bands um and i want to go up to glasgow and play with play a
0: show with them yeah fantastic stuff love that um so my last question to you guys and i'm hoping it's going to be an absolutely banging answer what is your individual controversial musical opinion. I'll give you a bit of context. So we had uh, Adam Gregory from Bloodstock on, and he said that Kylie would go down brilliantly at Bloodstock. I wouldn't disagree with that.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't disagree (laughs) with that at all.
1: I think that would be pretty bang on the money with that.
0: Um, I had people say that Iron Maiden is shit, Deftones is shit, Five Finger Death Punch are great. Um... That person
1: can get in the fucking
0: bin. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: Even if you don't, even if you don't like Iron Maiden, there's still a better band than Five Finger Death Punch. So let's just, <laughs> <laughs> let's have
0: that right. Um, and uh, uh, I so I used to do a podcast, this podcast with um, my friend Rayson, and that was one of the first things we done was a controversial opinion episode. And I said something about the Beatles, which I can't repeat because if I ever go to Liverpool and they hear it, I might get shot. Because it's just... <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I don't think it's controversial. I'm not the biggest lover of the Beatles. No. Like, fair play for what they've done for music, but <laughs> it, it it does nothing for me.
2: I was thinking about that when I was listening to Broken Records the other day because they were talking about the Lonely Heart Peppers OST. Yeah,
1: it just doesn't... Songwriting, don't...
2: great. It doesn't hit any any chord for me at all. Yeah,
1: i was trying to think of a... <laughs>
0: And that's the thing. If if it is like it's not controversial because it's your opinion, therefore no one can come after you for it. Like yeah, I'm as, to as, as, long, as long as you're popular. not a totally shitty person, then do
1: you know what I mean? The
2: old, the old school death metal revival.
1: <laughs> this could go on a while. Basically, <laughs>
0: don't go for it. I was gonna say. <laughs>
1: Basically, we had a conversation with um, our friend Joe Nally, and we've been we've been on about it as a They've band. For Joe this whole run. like <laughs> death metal revival thing old school death metal revival and it's just a bunch of failed hardcore bands have turned on hm2 and think they can play the obituary i'm sorry but just fucking stop like (laughs) i I, I, (laughs) think go back to playing substandard hardcore because you're better stop trying to think you're a death metal band now just because you put a long sleeve
0: shirt on the thing is fuck off I've, I've spent an hour with you guys. i spent an hour with Joe. So, literally, I can just imagine that conversation going down between you two. <laughs> I mean, I'm that's amazing.
1: condensing my answer. But, yeah, um, this whole revival of old school, like, death metal bands. It's like, no, you just stop paying for shit recordings. The only reason these old school death metal bands had shit recordings is because that's what was available at the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Hence why
1: all the good bands from back in the day... Are- Now, their production's a hell of a lot better.
0: Yeah. No one wants to to see that. New bands are coming out
1: that were hardcore bands two years ago. Yeah. And now they're trying to label themselves as an old school death metal band and just pay for shit production for bog standard songs. Yeah. Fuck off.
2: (laughs) 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 I love that. It's amazing. I knew that if I dropped that little,
1: uh... yeah, if, I, feel, I, I, I could go like, on for that, that one. It really fucks me off. I feel like Graves
0: been sit on that for a little while. <laughs> this is a new I version of therapy. Up,
2: <laughs> I think it comes up like every like two, three practices where we see that like another band's put out something that's getting really. Yeah,
1: like, I don't. I'm gonna call about. So I'll say the band. Is it that Frozen Soul band? I have
0: no. Everyone idea. Everyone
1: gave them loads of hype or something. It was fucking crap. <laughs> I should say that when it's when like a band of that ilk
2: does it well that is. it is or um is it fuming mouth
1: fuming mouth are wicked because it's yeah. got that sort of like it's got a bit of undertone hardcore vibe to it still do you know what i mean yeah yeah so that's sort of like a mixture a good blend of old school death metal and hardcore because it's got that frantic pace that's so the... it's great have when had... you get some of these bands that are i mean i'm not the biggest fan of this Gatekeeper or creeping Death because it's very ploddy to me. Mm. it's just great, they've turned up the distortion in HM2 and they've just sat on a mid-paced riff. It's like great.
2: I like Gatekeeper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a very similar conversation with um Gavin who runs um Damnation Festival and we were talking about uh bands that sort of just get a leg up from literally nowhere and then the media just push them so hard. Um, wargasm, wargasm. <laughs> literally wargasm. Yeah. That was literally war-
1: them as well. This is that's not a controversial take. No. Fuck them. Just because your dad was in the sex pistols and your vocalist so, was a model, fuck off. Doesn't so, mean you should get a leg up.
0: <laughs> so I'm quite I'm quite quite a fortunate position. The podcast does quite well for itself. So I've had PR people say, Do you want so and so on your point Yeah, I'd love to have so and so on." Your I got the one from PR from uh, Wargasm. Do you want to speak to Wargasm? I was like, no, not really. I'm like, oh, really? I was like, no, I think a shit. <laughs> I really like burning not, bridges, but I just want That's found not out. even
1: a controversial take, no. in my opinion. If you've got a sense of music or you understand music, you will tell that they're a shit band.
0: Um, and <laughs> it's just, yeah, not good.
2: <laughs> I can't remember his name now. I I know someone that drums for his old band. Um, oh, what? And- um, in Dead. Yeah, yeah, and he went to the Heavy Music Awards um, to see him and he cold shouldered him.
0: Yeah, cause <laughs> it, didn't she? Something like she was wearing a, a mesh top and her nipple was showing, and then Twitch took it down or some shit, and there was loads of controversy about it. Or oh, t- no, idea. Oh, yeah. I did. I didn't know about that. Just I, was, like, just I, I of... don't pay that much attention to him. I heard they kept
1: getting, they've got, like, done 15 shows and they've got on main stage Download and Bloodstock, and they don't deserve it. No. It's only because of their who their their, their connections are that they've got yeah. it. I'm sorry, but don't give a fuck if your dad was in the Sex Pistols or if your dad was in Iron Maiden. Yeah, doesn't matter. You earn yeah. your spot to be on these places. You don't just get thrust into it. And Absolutely. It, that I mean, you could really open up a can of worms with this question.
0: So, <laughs> I could but, really go off on one. I, it really irks me that that's the thing as well. Like you know, I don't play. Any, I mean, I played drums when I was younger, very bad. And I'm trying to learn bass, but when you have <laughs> A little musical experience in what they actually play compared to someone who's worked like yourselves. You work really fucking hard at your instruments and got where you got to, and they get the leg up first. It's like, well, that's not even fair. They're not even really playing that. Like, do you know what I mean? Regardless of mm. it's or like to your taste, it's not even that good. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's just shit.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, they they are the band at the minute. Like, I mean people might think it's cool to hate him but no, there's a no, reason not, not everyone hate people who actually understand music hate them because they are the prime example of what's wrong with the industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was so, the, yeah. the, the other band that got a big uh, leg up and think of oh, push uh, King 810 as well when they, when they first came out. I quite like that. I think it's
1: because they were slightly controversial characters. Yeah.
0: I like that first record. I quite like the second one as well. But again, like they, they got a pushback and everyone just went, Nope. And like that was it. Like they kind of built from there, but Wargasm get in the fucking bin. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean I don't I I haven't actually listened to ever listened to King Eight One O, so I have no
0: It's very it's very like meathead metal Yeah. Talking about guns a lot. He likes his guns, we know that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, be dumb. I'm a bit of a meathead metal guy, anyway, so I don't mind some of that. But I have, don't actually have a comment in mm. an opinion on King 810 because I haven't heard a single song. Yeah, no, but Wargasm, unfortunately, I've heard.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, dude, I've got. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I'm so. This is the third time I'll be seeing them, not through any fault of my own. They're they're playing with um Creeper in December, who I really like, so it's just like oh, right. great. But that's a bar trip for me, so it's fine. I go yeah. to the bar, yeah. And have a it's beer, so it's a beer break.
2: You've always, you've always got to have a beer break, man. It's yeah. like in wrestling; you'll exactly. see that there's like a, there's a beer break like <laughs> match. You always know that there's one about two thirds of the way through after like a really good match. Yeah, they'll plonk something in like a comedy match. Yeah, and that's your that's your beer break match. Beer, yeah. beer and
0: piss break match. Awesome yeah. stuff.
2: Um, my side is a. a I don't get slam as a genre. I've played with so many slam bands.
1: Kind of with you on this
2: one. Yeah. Graham knows this. Graham's a massive Suffocation fan. Mm -hmm. And they Suffocation are a band that, even though they're frenetic, have a groove to them. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a genre that's between internal bleeding and that one riff in Liege Mm. that just has spawned this whole thing of just doing the fucking same thing song yeah. after song yeah. yeah um yeah i mean i've pl- i've played shows with cranium guitar- guitarists are really nice and party cannon are good guys and i just don't get it
0: yeah, yeah i don't get it at all one.
2: um i really like analepsy mm-hmm. but i wouldn't really consider them a slam band they're more like a brutal death metal band splitting hairs i know but it's sometimes it sometimes it's all right and sometimes it's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> i definitely. saw with I back-to-back back, i saw analepsy and then within destruction afterwards i walked off during yeah. within destruction just by the difference in quality in my opinion um yeah they, that's i'm wearing a fucking aborted hat and i'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah uh, that's yeah uh,
1: that'll go i'll go
2: I, mean, I they, agreed with both of those other ones you said, but there's there's another one as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's probably more... If we, Yeah, there's probably more things that... are A lot of things that can be
2: about music, actually. So... Well, you, you unironically listen to Burton.
1: I mean, yeah. That's I mean, controversial enough in itself. I mean, I, I know we all know Varg is an absolutely piece of shit of a man. Yeah. But I still like we were saying earlier about removing the art from the artist, them views don't seem to come across in Burzum, so I'm going to happily listen to Burzum. It's not Screwdriver.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly like you, you it always I mean? um it always makes me laugh when um you get sort of, sort of younger teen fans sort of and they go they get disgusted and rightfully so i should add that pop punk uh doing what they're doing with their fans yeah and i'm like yeah that's disgusting Pop's but don't fucking e- them. yeah yeah <laughs> don't ever get into black metal if you're offended by yeah, that do you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, exactly yeah. yeah yeah i mean both the- are wrong for the record but <laughs>
2: it's the same the Thing is, though, it's like I've still listen to Black Label Society, even though Nick got fucking. I know that he wasn't in the band when it happened, but it, I mean, it could, yeah. there could have been stuff going on when he was in the band, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah, that's, it, that's the thing, that's screwdriver.
2: When it's like, yeah, up the whites, yeah, no, yeah, get it out, yeah, get the fuck okay. out.
1: But then, views, then we all know Varg's views, and Varg's a lunatic of a man, and, but um. I don't want to say lunatic like playfully, like he is legitimately no, yeah, yeah, has dangerous yeah. ideologies. Yeah, definitely. But then my ideologies don't come through with Burzum. No. So I yeah. can happily listen to Burzum and just take it on a strictly musical level.
0: Yeah. The, the
2: thing is as well, we've not like, we've Black metal is like, I, li- I listened to a lot of it. I did. I wrote a piece in university about like the how media made black metal, what it is. It could have like been a flash in the pan genre if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Um, there are so many fucking racists in it that even the ones that aren't outed. If you look at stuff like in particular the opinions of Hellhammer in regards to gay people as yeah. well, is awful.
1: Yeah, he's it's he's a horrible, horrible, horrible
2: person. Um uh Fucking the first Dark Throne T shirt said pure Aryan black metal on it, and then they changed it after the first printing because they took the Aryan out of it. Yeah, it's... thankfully Dark Throne grew
1: up and admitted they grew up. Yeah,
2: yeah. And this is something that like I say a lot to people is that Norwegian black metal, that second wave stuff, was punk. If you look at it, it's they're rebelling against what was the main thing in Norway. So yeah. if you talk about UK punk, it was like kind of politics and things like that. In Norway, it was religion. Yeah. And the kids were all like fourteen, sixteen year old, six years old sixteen years old. Yeah. The oldest person was Anonymous, and he died when he was twenty three, twenty-four. Yeah. Hmm. Um Ishan was sixteen when Wrath of the Tyrants came out, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, people- you can't be held accountable for your views when you're a sixteen year old, I don't think. Not when no. they're like not when they're middle aged men now, because I think we're all we looking back at some of the stuff everyone said when you were a teenager, you'd yeah. be horrified at some of the stuff yeah. you said.
0: That's the thing as well, like, we all, you know, everyone, no one knows what someone else is thinking, right? I could be thinking some terrible things, but I'm not, but do you know what I mean? It's yeah. whether you say those things, and then you're in the public eye, and you get put on blast, that's the only difference between someone like that, and your everyday person walking on the street who thinks that terrible thing, you know? Do you yeah. Do
2: you think he's talking about Vicky
0: Hungerford? Oh my god, I wasn't <laughs> gonna say <laughs> Mate,
1: hey, just say it. Like yeah, we all we'll, we'll yeah, we'll know look. what's happened. With no, it. no I, she... I
0: wasn't even referring to that. But no, yeah, I was wondering if we were going to go down this route. Don't, by all means, go
2: for it There's <laughs> a reason I wore a pupil slicer T-shirt when we played Bloodstock.
0: Fair, fair. Um, um, I, I got, I got a message. I got quite a few messages off people going, "Are you going to chat about it in the podcast?" And I was like, to be honest, I kind of, I said, "No, I f- it's fucking shit." Like what she said was fucking shitty. Like, it was really shitty. And I think she lives on the edge of being a badass bitch in her own words. Like, I didn't give a fuck attitude. And it's like, yeah, fine. Have that as your persona. But when but you're, when you're like,
1: the main booker of a festival, also keep your fucking mouth shut.
0: Exactly. I was like, when you've, you know, you ride a thin line between being, you know, I don't give a fuck what people think. Also, I'm a bit of a cunt for saying what I did. You know? Yeah. And it's a very I thin mean, line. i of
1: what she said. I well, see. To be fair, I completely disagree with what she said. Mm. It wasn't the worst thing she's ever said, but no. that email, that what she sent out was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back because she said some vile stuff in the past. Yeah, more vile than what she's been outed for now. Yeah, Absolutely, and yeah. she needs to take a serious look at herself about yeah. that and what she what her views are.
0: Absolutely.
1: Like, hopefully, I. I really hope the festival doesn't suffer for it because the festival itself is brilliant, and she is not the festival.
0: No,
1: I think that's what people need to distinguish. With. She does not represent the festival. Yeah, and I that's... know she books the main stage, but she's—I never—it's not Vicky Fest. You know what I mean? No, it's Bloodstock,
0: and that's the thing as well. Like I—I I mean, I'm a completely cis straight man, right? But I have friends that aren't, and I have friends that are on, on the spec on the LGBTQ plus spectrum and all that. And Bloodstock is their home as much as it is my favourite festival. You know, and we go there every year, and it's like, they said to me, I don't feel safe going there anymore because of what she That's said. It's like, it's meant to be an inclusive metal thing, which a majority of the time metal is, but when that, you know, it just taints it. But like you say, it's not Vicky Fest, although I did see quite a funny post on her original post saying she should be sacked for book of Wargasm alone, let alone this, which I <laughs> thought was very comical. But <laughs> yeah.
1: but what was a shame, because actually me and, my, um, me and my girlfriend were at Bloodstock this year mm. and we were walking around and we noticed a lot of people, I noticed a lot of pr- pride flags there this year at Bloodstock. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I thought that was great that people felt, whether they were doing it to be ironic or whatever, I still think it gives off a good message that that can be... It's a, it's a welcoming place for everyone I, and I, the fact I, that you've got then she's, you know, only a few months later, the main yeah. booker saying what she said
0: that's a bit, such I, a shame that, I, like I you say your friends you know.
1: are filled they can't go anymore, I think that's such a shame that the one person's opinion is putting them off a festival which it, as a festival and as a whole it is a very inclusive environment and lets people in
0: yeah, definitely. I don't know if you guys saw there was a, there was a gentleman and, a, and a, I'm assuming his partner or something, uh, walk around and they were pretty much in full bondage gear, right? And, I, and I'm not a prude or like that. I did take a double take and it was like, well, what the fuck did I see that right? And then again, it was like, no, but that's fine because again, I'm not a judgmental person. It's like it is that spectrum of everyone's included. So, but like you say, I did you see the post that she done? Christmas time, it was, I think it was 2018. It resurfaced the one where she said about um, Santa being a gender neutral thing and how it's all bullshit and like snowflakes and all this kind of shit. Just, I just think it's that's... a
1: typical someone over 40 thinks they know it, thinks because they've reached 40, somehow they're better than everyone who's 30 and under.
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you know
1: what I mean? Like, I understand if you don't, some people don't understand the whole gender pronoun thing, myself included, I own up to being I don't quite understand it, but I'd never judge anyone Yeah. Ever hold any views on anyone for it. I just yeah. you know, it's my own ignorance for not understanding it. But I would never, ever I don't hold any of them opinions for anyone that is comes across you know, what for whatever pronouns they use or is yeah, exactly. part of the LGBTQ plus community. <laughs> yeah. I don't there's no I'd never have ill will towards them. I just don't un you know, I've It's not something I've ever looked at, looked at, so I can't have an opinion on it.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. So this happened to me literally two days ago when I was at work. Um, There was a a girl who walked in, and so I work in an electrical store, right? And um, so she came in looking at these things, and I immediately addressed her as he because that's her face and her body and her attributes looked very masculine. So I said, "I think it was her," and she corrected me and said, "No, it's her." And I immediately was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's a... And that's kind of like, it wasn't my fault. Because I like I said, I didn't know. And she was she was fine about it. But it's mm. knowing that that's, that's okay to be like, okay, I'm sorry for getting that wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with
1: having yourself corrected.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: If, like you say, you didn't mean anything malicious by it. You no. just, we've all fallen into the, you know, the way we've all sort of been brought up with it in that yeah. respect. Mm. But I mean, like, for example, I work on a construction site and there was a guy he still goes by a guy but his name is Amy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, absolutely, he wasn't yeah. he wasn't you know, I, I think he I didn't I must admit I didn't ask his pronouns, but he went by Amy and he's mm. he's Amy. He's no yeah. different. He didn't get any special yeah. treatment or no, worse treatment. He got exactly the same treatment as anyone else should ever should ever get. Yeah. You know what I mean? He treated exactly the same. He's just Amy.
0: And that's the thing. That's it, it. It, it's not. It's not hard just to be a nice person and just not be exactly. an asshole. And that's the thing. It's and a it, lot of the time people just need to keep
1: their opinions to themselves. Yeah. Especially know this situation. Like for example, Vicky again, the situation she's in, the what her position is.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is
2: it? Is it causing you harm? No. Yeah. And Shut up. Leave it be. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing. I, I couldn't. What I couldn't get my head around was, you know, was fact she said it, and then had Life of Agony, whose front <laughs> person is a track, You know, and I'm thinking, what the actual? F- at least you. I did research. you your yeah, booking. Like, you know,
1: maybe so, she didn't know either. No, I mean, I must. I didn't know that about Life of Agony. but I don't know anything about Life of Agony apart from uh, yeah. that one album they did in the '90s.
2: Yeah, it's
1: I just, can't yeah, remember it's, the name of it. That's how. But I mean, as soon as I. Found out what Vicky said, and then I heard, I realised why everyone was bringing up bringing in Life of Agony into it. It's just, oh my god, like just.
0: And her her to, her <laughs> kind of apology, initial apology, was absolutely piss poor as well. And that I just thought, insane. you know, what was the initial part? I didn't even see it. I just,
1: I'm sorry if you're
2: offended.
0: Yeah, oh, well, well, yeah. to
2: that effect. Yeah.
0: well, And that it sounds like such a, a weird thing to say, but if you're gonna have a shitty opinion. And you live by that opinion, die by that opinion. Don't then try and retract it when people fucking do you know what I mean? If she, in some respects she would have been better off just going, "Yep, I meant everything I said," because at least then we know you're a shitty person. But you've, what you've done yeah. is, is backtrack and gone, "Oh fuck have, Well, now you're backtracking. You shouldn't have said it in the first place. But yeah, because then
1: if she didn't, she do did another one. Like she didn't realize what she said. And just, well, yeah. you've already said sorry for being sorry if you're offended, and then you've backtracked. You double down on what you've said, yeah, and then you've apologized. So now your apology is completely insincere. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous.
2: All I will say on the other side of it, if this does lead to a sincere education and a reevaluation mm-hmm. on her part, then
1: yeah, good, absolutely. Because I'm not going to throw her under the bus and say she should never work again or cancel her completely. She <laughs> has, to, but she needs to show and learn from what she's done and what she said and why it upsets people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If she can do
1: that and prove that you know she has learned, then cool. Hopefully she does. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. It brings stuff to light. And the, this is one of the things I was thinking of before. Like In the last like few years with Trump and everything and like all of the uh, knuckle-draggers, like I would call them, but <laughs> yeah, like, no, calling actually. out the woodwork and stuff is the education was never there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The, the people were forced to repress abhorrent opinions, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of starting to come out and it's not that more people are getting the opinions it's that they are now finding a way to do it avenues to express it the the thing with that is is that there might be a way through education potentially if it's all out in the open yeah through education that we can kind of simmer it down for good i guess is the best way to put it um but it needs to be done through I'm not going to call it calm discussion, but you yeah. can't be screaming at each other all the time. No. There has to be an actual discourse.
1: Yeah, exactly. as hard as it is to keep you know, your emotions in check when you are talking to some of these awful people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, screaming in their face, yeah, in a, some ways, in a weird, bizarre way, sort of cements their beliefs. Yeah. yeah, And that's you know, the only way to make them learn is unfortunately you know just having an actual discussion with them and teaching them and screaming doesn't help
0: that's the thing you can't fight fire with fire can you no matter which side of the argument you can't do it it's just not gonna someone's got to back down and someone's got to learn and and like you say have the discourse there or otherwise Mm. you just go around in circles Yeah. yeah yeah that that's gone down a tangent um Guys, where can everybody keep up to date with Casket Feeder? Is it Facebook, Instagram? Where's what's the socials and things for you guys?
2: Yeah, so we've got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is essentially just a shell account where uh, Instagram posts go to. Yeah, um, we don't keep sure. on Twitter. Um, our merch is on Big Cartel. Our music's on. Bandcamp. I think all the
1: links are on for our merch and that are on Facebook and Instagram as well. so... Yeah. There's please go list. Please go buy merch because we need to finish an album <laughs>
0: absolutely Absolutely.
1: videos ain't cheap no as it turns out um, no, nobody yeah.
0: wants a uh, Chinese democracy part 2 on their hands <laughs> I mean if you want to give me a million pounds yeah, to those... sit there and finish the album then I'll take it
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> I don't want to I, somehow I don't think we'll ever be able to recoup the funds for 19
0: million dollars the album cost
2: something like that yeah, yeah nineteen i don't think we'll ever
0: recoup those funds i'm trying to i'm <laughs> trying to remember was it the basis they told to get in a cage or something there was there, there was a story about the musician who got to bucket his bucket head Buckethead, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> if they didn't tell him to get in a cage he said he wasn't going to play unless they built him a chicken coop inside the studio <laughs> with real chickens and real <laughs> shit
0: amazing amazing i love it right cool we're gonna do the fake out goodbye um, and i'm gonna stop uh, the recording and things Thank you so much, gents, for coming on. Uh, It's been an absolute whirlwind. It's been an absolute pleasure and you're more than welcome to come back. If you are in the Norwich area or if I come down to you guys, I will buy you both and the band a pint collectively. Not one each, each, obviously, but not yet. (laughs) We'll bring some straws. It'll be alright. Awesome stuff. (laughs) Right, we will see you guys next week. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. God bless. God bless. All love. Bye.